I held out faith, everyone. I truly did. I know a lot of you as well. And maybe we're sort of in denial. Maybe we don't want to let go all those years that The Undertaker entertained us. But I think it's safe to say he has created a new streak. Sloppy, high-profile matches, and it continued tonight at WWE Super Showdown. Yes, it takes two to tango. Yes, Goldberg definitely deserves a lot of the blame. But I'm just convinced even more after tonight. Undertaker, as a main eventer, finished the night he faced Roman Reigns at WrestleMania and left his gear in the ring. Since then, his matches have not been good. He is in great shape. He definitely could move a little bit better. Unfortunately, he's not trying out for track. The spring in his step is gone. The power that you need in your legs to lift and do certain things is gone. And it's getting to the point where, you know, when is when? Now, here's the thing, though. And this is something that I have said since last year. That fans out there really need to understand. This deal that WWE has with Saudi Arabia is a huge fucking deal as far as money goes. Saudi Arabia dictates some of what you see at these shows. If the fans in Saudi Arabia are fine with The Undertaker as is, and The Undertaker feels he could still go, and the Saudi prince and everyone else wants to see Undertaker in some capacity, you're going to get The Undertaker. You can't. You have to stop. I saw people doing this even today. You should have learned after event one in Saudi Arabia. A lot of tonight is a niche show. You can't take some of the stuff that goes down in Saudi Arabia and base it on the overall WWE product. You should have learned again when it was Kane and The Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels and Triple H. Some of this is demands from Saudi Arabia. But as far as Undertaker consistently being thrown in main events, I know it doesn't have as much spice. I know it doesn't have as much showness to it. Hollywood, spectacular entrance, maybe not as much substance as far as the entrance goes. But I will still say what a lot of you have been saying as well for quite some time now. Undertaker and WWE should have seriously considered bringing back Taker as Big Evil or American Badass because a lot of his arsenal during that time was more ground game. And yeah, the Undertaker, you know, you want to see him walk the rope. You want to see him do the tombstone. You want to see him do the choke slam. You want to see him do some of the things he wants to do. It's just not in the cards anymore. And some of what we saw tonight is really, really hard to watch. You want to put Undertaker in the card halfway through? You 
have to put him as the last match because Saudi Arabia demands that and you need all this pomp and circumstance and just an absolute phenomenal entrance, fine. But things need to really change and Undertaker really needs to reevaluate some of what he does. It's just really getting sad to see. Anyway, what's up, everyone? This is your WWE Super Showdown pay-per-view recap. I am Don Tony. And, you know, I want to say this, and it's not to pat myself on the back, but just a little reminder to everyone out there. I'm doing this recap less than 10 minutes after the pay-per-view ends. When I do the pay-per-view recaps every month, I do them less than 15 minutes after the pay-per-view ends. When I do the Don Tony and Kevin Castle show, I do it less than 15 minutes after Raw ends. It's very easy for a lot of other shows out there to wait a day, three days, five days, six days, let it sink in, see some of the reactions online that are leading to lots of hits and likes and, you know, trendy little one-liners, and you get all week to think about catchy little things that everybody will remember, get a kick out of. I do this literally within minutes of the event. So I give you my spur-of-the-moment instantaneous reactions, and sometimes they change after some time. Maybe it sinks in a little bit. But I'm going to give you my immediate reaction as far as what went down tonight. And if anybody happened to have heard this week's Breakfast of Blossie, if you want to do a little bit of fishing for catfish, oh, you'll get it tonight. You'll absolutely get it tonight. I already caught a few. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, well, you should listen to the other shows. Anyway, overall, I thought the pay-per-view was great. Is it pay-per-view of the year? No. Is it more of a uh, high-profile house show? Absolutely. But the one thing that I enjoyed tremendously today, and look, I balked the first Saudi Arabia show in protest because women couldn't perform. And, you know, as we got into yesterday... You know, the rumors of possibly Alexa Bliss versus Natty, you know, going down. But, you know, I told everybody yesterday, look, you know, don't, you know, if the match was never, you know, confirmed in the first place, you can't say the match is on. Oh, the match might be off. All the No, there was rumors. They wanted to do it. They didn't do it. You know, Renee Young sitting at ringside. Okay. You know, that's nice. But um, the one thing that I loved about tonight was the crowd. I never watched the first event, but I did see little drips and drabs over the last year plus of some clips and some reactions and what a lot of people said about the crowd and you see photos and still shots and you see, you know, like it seemed like all adults were sitting at ringside and they were sitting in these giant sofa fucking chairs and they weren't even paying attention and they were just fucking looking elsewhere, blah, 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 blah. That's what the first event looked like and sounded like. Look at it now. The crowd was into it. You could tell that they were WWE fans. My God, the way they reacted with Miz's yes kicks was fucking cool. To hear them chanting catchphrases, you know, it's not like WWE did rehearsals for everyone. Now, when this resident, no, they're wrestling fans. And there were a lot more fans there tonight than before. I thought it was great. I thought it was great. And again, for everybody out there that doesn't live in Saudi Arabia or in that vicinity, 
You know, if you, especially if you live in the United States or the UK or Australia, you got to understand what will do what these shows are for. It's for that crowd. It's a niche crowd. They're getting paid. If you take a step back and see how much money WWE is getting paid, do you realize how many shows they would have to do to equal one payday that WWE gets in Saudi Arabia? So they are going to add so much spice to it and all this perception and blah, 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 blah. And yes, as a weekly wrestling fan like you are, you got to take it. But never lose perspective of why certain things happen on this show. Case in point, the Battle Royal. Did any of us, for the most part, predict that Mansoor was going to win it? Absolutely not. But should it surprise everyone or anyone? No, absolutely not. And you know what? I thought it was cool. I thought it was cool. And again, when I get to that match, we'll do a little catfishing. We'll have some fun. Anyway, uh, you know, they weren't joking, man. 94 degrees outside. Ringside was between 100 and 105 degrees. You know, you didn't get that fucking nice ocean air that cools you off and stuff like that. It is fucking brutally hot. And these guys got to perform. You know, say what you want about Randy Orton and Triple H being a little bit slow at times. You fucking battle for 30 minutes in 100 degree heat. You tell me how, how you are. Fucking go cut the grass for five minutes in 100 degree heat. You'll be like, oh, I need some water. Come on. Get the fuck out of here. And I'm not kissing ass. There's some things I didn't like about tonight. Anyway, pre-show Usos versus The Revival. You know, crowd into the Usos, let's go Uso chance and blah, 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 blah. You know, regular, you know, pre-show match that you would expect. Jimmy Uso, I believe it was Jimmy Uso, pinning Scott Dawson after the Usos did a little bit of a super kick party. Not a bad match, but nothing that really stood out. We then had, um, <laughs> I got a kick out of this, you know. Uh, I've criticized Otunga over the years, but... You know, I've given him uh, a lot of praise in the last bunch of years. WWE is using him just enough where he is tolerable. He's not bad at what he does. But I got a kick out of the pre-show. It was him, Beth Phoenix, and um, what's her face? I'm drawing a blank. My God, uh, Charlie Caruso. And uh, I think it was Charlie had asked David Otunga, you know, like, um, you know, did he idolize either Undertaker or Goldberg growing up? Now, obviously, he's got to choose one of the two, but it was funny how he talks about how, you know, growing up, he, you know, Goldberg inspired him, and this is and that, and he's talking about working out, and, this, and the funny thing is, is that if you go back and you look at Otunga interviews over the years, the wrestlers that he always brought up that inspired him was Hulk Hogan, the Ultimate Warrior, Steve Austin, The Rock, and Bret Hart. No mention of Goldberg, no mention of Undertaker. But, you know, he's got to do what he's got to do, right? Uh, so the pay-per-view starts. We have Seth Rollins versus Baron Corbin. You know, again, you you got these goofy websites. Oh, something's going to happen in the DQ. Oh, Brock is going to cash in, but it's going to be a DQ fan. And these are people grasping. Somebody writes something and everybody flocks thinking that it's real. Then they add a little bit of twist to it, so it makes their reporting a little bit unique. So when it happens, boom. Oh, you already did. I was right. No, you were wrong. 
You were all wrong. So anyway, Seth Rollins coming out with black and white tights with a little red trim. Looked very, very good. Corbin is his usual all black. You know, Seth's midsection is taped up. Baron Corbin, the story of the match, he's focusing on Rollins' midsection. Uh, dumping Rollins on the top rope several times. Uh, Michael Cole pointing out that, you know, when you kick out of a pin attempt, you use your core, your midsection, as well as your legs. And with Seth being all taped up, you know, it's it could be an issue. You know, good storyline explanation, suspension of disbelief, and blah, 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 blah. And these are all my notes, everybody. You know, I, I don't read recaps from other people. This is my own fucking writing. So eventually Rollins gets the upper hand. Uh, then it goes back to a little bit of back and forth. Towards the end, Baron Corbin teases that he's going to use a chair in a match and the referee is threatening to disqualify him. Next thing you know, Baron Corbin and the referee get into an argument. Shades of Earl Hepner from years past. Back in the day, you'd have Earl Hepner arguing with Triple H. Triple H will push Earl Hepner. Earl Hepner will push back Triple H and Triple H will fall backwards and either look like he's in shock or almost a pin attempt. Well, we got a little variation of that today. Corbin and the referee are kind of arguing. Well, Corbin is doing all the bad-mouthing, and the referee is like, I've had enough of this. I'm not going to lay my hands on you for the most part, but I'm going to fucking tell you off. And Corbin is all shocked and surprised. He gets distracted. Seth Rollins rolls him up. One, two, three. After the match is over, Baron Corbin hits the end of days. Seth Rollins is sort of laid out. So you immediately think, okay, Lesnar's going to cash in. And if you read the sites, you know, these great analysts, oh, no, it's getting in, it's qualification, yeah. His music hits. And don't give me, well, WWE changes the last minute because of the fans. No. If fucking Saudi Arabia says, no, 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 we insist, we want this, then you get this. Lesnar's music hits. He's walking down ringside with a chair. You know, you kind of think to yourself, okay, what the fuck you need a chair for unless you're going to lay out Rollins before the match starts? Well, we got a little bit of the reverse. Paul Heyman trips. The briefcase falls. He doesn't cash it in. Next thing you know, Seth Rollins gets the chair. He starts bashing uh, Brock Lesnar with it. The match never starts. So because it never starts... The briefcase was never cashed. Rollins' music hits, and he goes to the back, and everybody's starting to think what I said 19 days ago. Don't discount the possibility of Brock Lesnar cashing in against Kofi Kingston. A lot of you out there said it tonight. I said it tonight. Kev and other hosts said it tonight. No, we didn't predict it. We just said, you know, it wouldn't that be something. If Lesnar cashed in later on against Kofi Kingston. And that's what a lot of people thought throughout the night. So Lesnar is still in the ring, selling the injuries and blah, 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 blah. Finally, Lesnar goes to the back. Now, next we have Andrade versus Demon Balor. Um, you know, Demon, you know, having pretty much the entrance that he does as, as Demon Balor, you know, reminding us that he is undefeated as the Demon character. Decent match, back and forth. At uh, one point, Andrade had a really nice-looking hammerlock DDT for a two-count. And look, it, that move always looks great, but tonight it just looked a little bit nicer. 
Um, crowd actually chanting, this is awesome, during this match, which I really enjoyed. Finn Balor with a flurry attempts the coup de gras, but is stopped by, by Andrade. They both climb the top rope. Balor throws um, Andrade off, uh, hits him with like a face plant, then climbs up again, hits the coup de gras, one, two, three. Finn Balor retains his title. Next, you had Shane McMahon with Roman Reigns. Shane McMahon introduced. Then we have Drew McIntyre coming out. So you know that Drew McIntyre is going to get involved in some capacity. Roman Reigns comes out, mostly the cheers, little boos, but, you know, not. I don't think anybody was 100% over at any point. Maybe The Undertaker to a certain extent, but some fans were very happy to see Goldberg. Uh, the announcers note to everyone that Roman Reigns has never tapped out in his career. So at one point, Shane McMahon hits the triangle choke, and they're teasing that Reigns may submit. He doesn't. Uh, they have a little bit of a back and forth. Roman Reigns um, picks up Shane, drops him down for a two count. Then Roman Reigns interferes outside the ring, hits Drew McIntyre with a super punch. So now you know fucking Drew McIntyre is getting involved in some capacity. Anyway, during the closing moments of the match, you actually heard a little light CM Punk chant. I don't know if anybody picked up on that. Um, at one point, Shane McMahon climbs the top rope to do the coast-to-coast, -coast, but Roman Reigns hits him with the Superman punch for a two-count. Reigns then uh, punches Shane McMahon, who falls back and accidentally, quote-unquote, clips Charles Robinson. With the referee distracted, Drew McIntyre hits the Claymore kick. Shane McMahon just falls backward onto Roman Reigns. One, two, three... And people online are livid that Shane McMahon pinned Roman Reigns. Big fucking deal. This is going to lead to an announcement later on, which I think WWE Stomping Grounds should be renamed to WWE Piss Break. And I'll explain why later. So anyway, they take note that this is Roman Reigns' first loss in a one-on-one -on -one match in almost a year. So Shane McMahon leaves, he's on Drew McIntyre's shoulders, Drew Galloway, Drew McIntyre, whatever you want to call him, and Shane McMahon is acting all surprised that he won because he was so discombobulated. Big-time fireworks display triggering fans online. Why is he getting all this pomp and circumstance? Because. Because. Byron then interviews Kofi with Xavier Woods, and... um. You know, it wasn't bad. I mean, again, the one thing I really enjoyed throughout the night, that the crowd was really into it. And not only were they just cheering at, at wrestlers, they knew who they were cheering for. And they really knew because they were very interactive, chanting the catchphrases. And um, it was very refreshing to see. Now, we next had uh, Lars taking on the Lucha House Party, who I have renamed Latino Meat. Um, courtesy of, uh, I think Mr. Wombat came up with that. So, yeah, so we had Latino meat versus Lars Sullivan because Lars was going to treat him as, you know, three pieces of Latino meat. And, um, you know, look, WWE was very smart to have Lars's first match on the main roster in Saudi Arabia because he already is behind the eight ball when it comes to uh, his 
aura with fans because of the comments from yesteryear. So there's a lot of fans out there that are trolling him. There's a lot of fans out there that want to see him fail. There's a lot of fans out there that want to see him crucified to the cross. So you put him in Saudi Arabia where the kids are just happy to be there. And you have a lot of them. And you're not going to get, you know, the, these, the fans in Saudi Arabia to go hardcore, boring, and they're not going to start doing other chants like let's go Mets and other stuff. You know, they were quiet, though. And, you know, the ma- this match by far was the least received by the crowd the entire night. You know, basically, during the match, I felt that Latino Meat got way too much offense in. Um, I know they were supposed to, you know, the story is that they're trying and they just won't quit and they keep going after them and blah, 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 blah. And then the end, which was just really confusing, is that you have Lars beating the fuck out of Callisto, which was nice to see. But then you got the other two fucking Matarazzas, Lynn Dorado and Grand Matalik. They start attacking Lars and they get DQ'd. So Lars wins on a DQ. Shouldn't it have been the fucking opposite? I don't know, man. He gets DQ'd. They start going up the rampway, leave one of the fucking uh, Latino meat to turn around and see Lars is going after him. And instead of just fucking booking straight for the door like R-Truth with the 24-7 title, he looks and and, and just, I don't know, it was just god-awful. It was god-awful. One of them runs after Lars, gets fucked up. The other two get fucked up. And the rest is history. Lars had a busted mouth uh, early in the match, I think by Lince Dorado. Crowd was not into the match. Um, It was what it was, you know? I mean, Lars right now reminds me almost of what Baron Corbin was when he first came in. Um, Again, if you heard Breakfast of Blossie, you already know uh, how you could catch catfish out there. And when I say that, I talk about podcasts and websites. I'm not talking about regular casual fans. But, you know, we'll get to Catfish in a little bit. Next, you have Randy Orton versus Triple H. First time facing each other in over 10 years. Triple H with a very cool entrance. You know, he's in awesome shape as he's been. Um, so I, I triggered some AEW fans today of a little tweet that I wrote. I was writing it to be amusing. I don't fucking backtrack on what I say. There's a lot of fucking shows out there. There's a lot of podcasters who talk a very good game on Twitter. And then when they go on their podcast, they backtrack. I'm only joking. And it's just and that. And they do it repeatedly over and over. My God, man, have a fucking set of balls. You don't shoot roids. There should be no other reason why your balls are that tiny. Fucking stand by your shit, even if you get shit on. And yeah, I, I agree, Mario. What's up with Byron Saxton sideburns? Hey, if he thinks they look good, good for him. Yeah, whatever. I don't. I, the day I really care about Byron Saxton sideburns is the day that I either decided I like my M and M's with peanut, or um, wrestling must really be boring. Seriously. Um, but anyway. Let's get back to Orton versus Triple H. I triggered AEW fans out there. And this goes to what I have said before. And this kind of coincides with what I just said about podcasters need to have stronger balls and stand by their shit even when they get ripped on. You know, you can't take it personal. You can't be fucking cursing people out. You know, if you're going to give the one-liners, you better be able to take the one-liners back. And this goes to certain AEW fans out there as well. Look, Cody... 
fucking bashing the Triple H logo at the pay-per-view and all that. That was cool. I thought it was cool. I had no problem with it. You know, it was just him saying, like, you know, we're going to break through the Triple H machine, you know, as far as creative and stuff like that and being held back and blah, 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 blah. You know, it was obviously a symbol. Nothing wrong with that. So if everybody out there that loved Cody doing that, yeah, it was cool. But my God, when someone makes a joke for the opposite, fucking laugh and don't get all triggered and butt hurt. You're a scumbag. You're this. You're a WWE dick sucker. I mean, how fucking fragile are you? Did you love it when it goes your way, but somebody fucking tries to throw the joke a little bit back and you get all offended by it? Because you know what I wrote on Twitter earlier today? I wrote this when Triple H came out. I said, did anybody happen to catch Triple H's little retaliatory spot at Cody Rhodes? Did you see it tonight at Super Showdown? I don't know if you saw it. Triple H actually retaliated on Cody Rhodes. I don't know if you missed it. If you did, or if you don't know what I'm talking about, when Triple H drove down the rampway, he ran over a bug. So that was his retaliatory shot at Cody Rhodes. He ran over a bug. Cody Rhodes is the bug. In case you're a little, you know, a couple of steps behind there, you know. I know Ric Flair used to be a hundred steps back of Triple H when he used to introduce Triple H when they were in Evolution. That doesn't mean, you know, your brain has to be like Ric Flair in Evolution. He fucking ran over a bug. I made a joke online. You guys see how people got really offended by it. Fuck you. Anyway, crowd trying to, trying to start an NXT RKO chant, which was good. Look early in the match. They're doing simple chain wrestling, and the crowd starts chanting, this is awesome. Because now you got to start really understanding there are certain people that the fans want to see there. They don't care if they get five-star matches. They don't care if they get fucking, you know, five and a quarter stars, three and a third stars. They want to see their larger-than-life wrestlers. They want to see things that they have only seen in, online from thousands of miles away. So they're getting a This Is Awesome chant. Um, at one point, Triple H um, was dumped on the announcer's table, and it really did look like that his back hit the corner of a monitor, which must have hurt. Um, selling arm injuries during the match, a lot of psychology. You know, yes, it was slow uh, for quite some time, but it told the story in the ring. At points, the, some of the crowd got really into it. Sometimes it, it was a little bit bland. Um, no, we didn't get four times of I am the table. Those tables are not designed to break. So uh, Randy Orton being dumped on that table four times and the table not breaking, that was by design. Table was not supposed to break. So anyway, uh, at one point, you have Triple H hit the pedigree, which got a massive pop, two count. Randy Orton early had hit an RKO, massive pop, two count. Later on in, in the match, again, another This Is Awesome chant. Next thing you know, Randy Orton would RK out of nowhere for the one, two, three. It was a pretty good match. I really did. So far, if you look at this pay-per-view, with the exception of Latino Meat and Lawrence just, you know, falling flat, could you complain about the other matches? I don't think so. So this is what we got. Now, we did not get any 24-7 title defense, even though they did show the footage, which we talked about yesterday, of R-Truth losing the belt in the tarmac and then winning it on the plane while winning it back on the plane when uh, Jinder Mabals was sleeping. Uh, next thing you know, we got Baron Corbin 
complaining to the referee behind the scenes or complaining to, I think it was Saxton. The referee cost him the biggest match of his career and heads are going to roll and blah, 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 blah. And now after that promo, it starts to sink in. Wait a minute. If Baron Corbin is going to get another shot, then Brock Lesnar is not going to cash in against Seth Rollins tonight. So, hey, you know what? There's a good chance that, yeah, Brock Lesnar is going to cash in against Kofi, that he's not going to stay in the back. And because of the TV deal coming up, Brock Lesnar may be the SmackDown heavyweight champion leading into the TV deal and blah, 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 blah. And this and that. So you think, okay, Baron Corbin versus Seth on the next pay-per-view. So that almost solidifies no chance of Brock Lesnar cashing in. Then it sinks in for a minute. You're like, wait a minute. I don't want to see Seth Rollins versus Baron Corbin on the next pay-per-view. I don't want to see it on fucking Raw. I don't want to even want to hear about it in a dark match. I don't, I don't want that. But at least you feel like, okay, Brock Lesnar is not going to cash in. So then we get Lashley versus Strowman. You know, look, two big men going back and forth. Nothing really stood out on this match. They tried. You know, the crowd was into it a little bit. The end of the match, Braun hitting two power slams for the one, two, three. Um, I think most people out there figured that Braun Strowman was going to get the victory on this. Um, then, then we got Dolph Ziggler versus Kofi. You know, should have been me. I blah, 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 blah. It should have been me. Blah, 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 blah. It should have been me. Uh, I, I was saying online, I, I spit in your soda and it should have been pee. Fucking some people didn't get that. Or during the Brock, during the Dolph Ziggler fucking promo thing that they showed, the, the vignette and his fucking live promo talking 18,000 times, it should have been me. I fucking tweet, I spit in your soda and it should have been pee. Some people didn't get it. Anyway, Dolph Ziggler versus Coffee. Match was rather blah. I mean, Dolph Ziggler had most of the offense, and this is a little pattern that you see. In Kofi matches, I talked about it. You know, I, don't give me this shit of, oh, well, Sami Zayn doesn't use his Thunder Bomb as a finisher. And they just in it. You know, sometimes wrestlers do win titles, retain titles, and win matches with a different move. It has happened many, many times. You just don't take notice of it. But you had Sami Zayn hitting three fucking blue Thunder Bombs on Kofi. You know, it's 10.50, oh no, it's 9.58 p.m. And you're like, fuck, man, this match has to end in two minutes because, you know, uh, USA Network is not going to give them an overrun. They, we have to see the fucking Chrisleys or, you know, you don't want to hurt me. Oh, my God, I hope all those fucking people on the island got venereal disease. Seriously. But, um... You know, so you have Sami Zayn hitting the multiple blue thunder bombs, and then next thing you know, Kofi with the thunder in paradise to the shoulder. One time, one, two, three, blah. Then you got Kevin Owens, frog splash, splash, dump, frog splash. It almost sounds like a fucking old Batman episode. Splash, dump, splash, dump, blah, blah, blah. And then what happens? Kofi, out of nowhere, with the thunder in paradise to the shoulder. One, two, three. My God. I'm fucking happy Kofi got the belt. But man, I mean, that's the pattern. 
Everybody else lands 10,000 moves, and all of a sudden, he he's like Michael Myers. Can't fucking keep him down. He'll get up from fucking 18,000 bullets. Hits one fucking shot, done. Call it the, the 959. That's what I've renamed. I don't know if you heard the other shows that I do, but I have renamed Coffee's Finisher to 959. Because the other wrestler will fucking beat the fuck out of him. And the minute it's 959, he hits the one thunder in paradise to the fucking finger. And he gets the win. So tonight we have Dolph, you know, dominating most of the match. Bullshit thing here and there. Blah, 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 blah. One, two, three. Coffee retains. I'm happy Coffee retained. I pre predicted just like a lot of others out there that Coffee was going to retain. But we thought at this point, okay, Brock's going to lay him out. You know, I mean, uh, Ziggler's going to lay him out. Brock Lesnar's music going to hit. It's going to be shocking. It's going to be a surprise. Dolph Ziggler rushed to the back almost immediately. Did you see how fucking fast? It's almost like he had to take a shit. He like, couldn't hold it in. He had to pee. You know? I wanted to win this match, but I had to pee. He got rushed to the back. Now, obviously, we had a backstage segment immediately after, so they rushed him to the back to do the backstage segment. Problem is, here's the problem. Coffee is still at ringside, signing autographs for little kids, maybe doing a selfie here and there, which was cool. No problem. Music is, his music is hit. Uh, Xavier Woods is ringside. You know, little kids having fun and everything. Blah, 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 blah. Next thing you know, Byron Saxton is interviewing Dolph in the back as this is going on. And Dolph is calling Kofi a coward. He demands another one-on-one -on -one match. He doesn't want Xavier Woods at ringside or to be able to get involved. And he decides he wants a cage match. Now, again, you have Kofi still at ringside. At the same time, Dolph is in the back saying that he wants a rematch in the cage for the belt. So as he's doing this, you're saying to yourself, fuck, then that means Brock ain't coming out to cash. And he didn't. So Kofi keeps that belt for at least a couple of more weeks at minimum. And that's what we got. Brock Lesnar, you know, despite Stephanie, better turn this into a storyline, Stephanie. So disrespected about what Brock did to the briefcase, putting speakers on it, that Brock's going to defend the belt on Monday at Raw, and he doesn't. Stephanie must be in the fucking bathroom changing the fucking pads. Then we get Super Showdown, and obviously Stephanie's not there, but Brock is going to cash in in a showdown. And he doesn't. S Stephanie must be bleeding pretty hard this week. You know, she's absent. I mean, come on, the fuck? What are these storylines directed to? The f mm, I can't say it. I got to be a little bit politically correct, everyone, but I think you can see where I'm going with this. Next, we have the 50-man over-the-top battle royal. Pay-per-view is already two-plus hours in. It blows me away. There's a reason why you don't have 50-man over-the-top battle royals. Because you're going to have 20 people get eliminated in two minutes. That's what it is. Well, I'm reading people over and over again. This has gone awful. It's a clusterfuck. It's this, it's that, it's this. What the fuck do you think that match was going to be? It was a battle royal. You have that many people. People get eliminated quickly. I can't believe it. You know, the club, they got eliminated in two minutes. Yeah. Yeah. When they're out there eating 24 karat gold sushi from this Saudi Arabia payday, you think they give a fuck two minutes worth of work? Shut up.
So we got the Battle Royal. It's going on. It's going on. By the way, Miz, Samoa Joe, and Titus O'Neil get entrance themes. Titus, obviously, because of his fucking little spill the last time. Funny shit. Elias then comes out, bad-mouthing everybody. This leads to Miz hitting Elias, throwing him in a ring. Next thing you know, the match starts. And blah, 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 blah. And blah, 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 blah. Nice to see AOP. And blah, 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 blah. And we get towards the end of the Battle Royal. And it comes down to Miz, Cesaro, Ali, Elias, Samoa Joe, Ricochet, and Mansoor. Now, catfish time. Everyone out there, if you feel like fishing for catfish, you don't have to. Me, I like to. I like fishing for catfish. I like catching people in lies. I'm telling you, it's like mental orgasms for me. When you catch people in lies and they don't even know that you caught them in lies, but other people notice, it's it's like a little mental orgasm. my, My brain is smoking a cigarette right now. So here's a little catfish for everybody out there. We talked about it on Breakfast with Blossy yesterday. You know, Mansoor's been in NXT. For, you know, not too long. But he's had some matches. He's not bad. He's not, you know, just some green guy from Saudi Arabia. Sure, he's got a long way to go. But he's not bad. And he's performed in NXT. So when you got people out there, podcasted websites that watch NXT religiously. And they have to tell you that they watch it religiously. And they know nothing about Mansoor. Then uh, you pretty much know that they're full of shit. Just like the podcasters and the websites earlier this week who fucking were so um, impressed with Lars's voice. It just really impressed Miles. He's very educated, so soft-spoken, sounds like Edge, sounds like this person, sounds like this person. I, I thought you watched NXT. What the fuck is that? Seriously. So people out there, that's how you catfish. We caught some catfish tonight. Talking about Mansoor, acting like they knew nothing about him, but they watch NXT on a weekly basis. Yeah, you follow it online too on a weekly basis. Yeah, you do podcasts and you report and you do websites, right? Yeah, you don't know fucking shit. There's so many lazy people out there that lie through their ass. They read other people's shit and they think, oh yeah, I'm up to par at everything. I follow everything. So, closing moments of the match, we get a point where Miz is hitting yes kicks. Crowd went nuts for the yes kicks. Next thing you know, Elias eliminates Miz. Miz was my pick. All right? So now we're down to Ricochet and Ali, who end up suplexing Samoa Joe over the top rope, and Samoa Joe's eliminated. The next thing you know, you got Cesaro, and I think Ali getting eliminated by Mansoor, and it comes down to Elias and Mansoor. And the crowd is fucking going nuts for Mansoor. And I'm reading people online, you know, oh, if he wins, it's bullshit and blah, 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 blah. No, motherfucker. This is the Saudi Arabia event. It's a niche show. If you can't figure that out by now, once in a while, somebody that is a hometown boy is going to get, you know, a little bit of an elevation. That's why it's the biggest Royal Rumble ever. That's why it's the greatest blah, blah, blah ever. They're pandering to the Saudi Arabian government. It's got to be the unbelievable. Remember Kurt Angle's promo? The last Saudi event? Do you remember that? This is going to be a bigger match in my career. Bigger than my gold medals. Think about that for a minute. I mean, seriously. 
you hear something like that, you don't fucking want to just take a, a fucking mental bullet and pull it through your head and say, I'm just done with wrestling. It's the fucking pander to Saudi Arabia. Everything's got to be the un- greatest ever. That's why you got that. So what ends up happening? Mansoor is fucking over with the crowd. He's going back and forth with Elias. And he's not doing bad. He didn't have to do too many moves. Kind of a little bit felt like a little Shawn Michaels-ish when he got thrown over the top rope. The physique looked similar from older Shawn Michaels, blah, 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 blah. Next thing you know, Elias gets eliminated. Crowd is fucking popping. You know, you could see that, you know, it really fucking uh, hit Mansoor. They interview him after, and he's talking about his dream come true and this, this, and that. And if you are upset at that, seriously, go find some rat poison and just fucking ingest it, seriously. Because not everything in, not you can't have it where everything in life is your way to the highway, you can't have it where, you know, a feel-good moment is not good because you you have to... Def, seriously, sometimes you have to take a step back and just say, look, this is wrestling. It's not supposed to be brain surgery. Not everything is supposed to be, you know, merit and uh, whatever it is, longevity. It is what it is. Mansoor won. It was targeted so Saudi Arabia has their... Their boy. There was nothing wrong with that. That was a feel-good moment. You know, let him have it and be done with it. If you, and this is dedicated to some people out there, 99.9% of my listeners do not apply. But everyone out there, if you want to have some fun with other bitch boys out there, you know, for weeks and weeks and weeks, they're shitting on the Saudi Arabia pay-per-view. They're not watching it. They're not covering it. They're not going to look at it. They could care less and blah, 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 blah. But they're so fucking triggered about Mansoor winning the Battle Royal. If they're so triggered about that, you know, these are the same bitch boys that said, I ain't watching it. It's bullshit. It's garbage. You know, today, fucking, fucking Goofy Keller and others. Do you see all these fucking pussies today? You see what they did? Fucking CNN had on their website that Saudi Arabia might fucking... Uh, execute some more teenagers. And they're shocked. They're shocked. Everybody, WWE's having a pay-per-view today, and look what the front page headlines is. Motherfucker, they've been executing teens for the longest. And we talked about that months ago. I talked about it months ago. A lot of our listeners were outraged months ago. You didn't give a fuck months ago. You only talked about it today because it was the WWE pay-per-view, and you knew that people were going to have more eyes to the pay-per-view, and you wanted to get extra hits. Stop with this fucking false caring. You didn't give a fuck about these teens getting executed for months. Now because it's the day of the pay-per-view, you care? Fuck you. And I don't say that with love. So now they announce five matches for stomping grounds. Bailey versus Alexa Bliss. Becky Lynch versus Lacey Evans. Seth Rollins versus Baron Corbin, Kofi Kingston versus Dolph Ziggler, Drew McIntyre versus Roman Reigns. Five matches, five rematches, all five rematches. Uh, I don't remember the first matches being all that spectacular. Alexa Bliss and Bailey. I smell the fucking farts already. Becky Lynch versus Lacey wasn't that bad, but a lot of people are not sold on Lacey. Seth Rollins versus Baron Corbin. Who the fuck wants to see Corbin for real? 
Kofi versus Dolph. Okay. Uh, Drew McIntyre versus Roman Reigns. Didn't they fucking have that battle at WrestleMania? Five matches, all rematches. Where's the innovative shit? WWE Stomping Ground should be fucking WWE Piss Break or WWE Rematch or whatever you want to call it. They announced that. Not happy. So now we got the main event. Goldberg versus The Undertaker. Undertaker looks in awesome shape. Goldberg looks in awesome shape. I don't think anybody had any complaints at how they looked. Unfortunately, how nice you look and how much spring you still have in your step matters. Two totally different things. Match opened up. It almost felt like Goldberg versus Lesnar. Remember Goldberg fucking out of nowhere hitting boom, boom, boom and wins less than a minute? Holy shit. That's what it felt like. So Goldberg early on hits a spear on Undertaker for a two count. Taker all of a sudden, early on, I don't know if anybody noticed this, but I caught it. Undertaker, shortly after Goldberg's two count, has like a a choke standing up on, um, Taker has it on Goldberg. And you thought that Taker was going to hit the choke slam because what it felt like early in the match was Goldberg was going to hit his finisher for a two count. Undertaker was going to hit his finisher with the two count. So instead of Undertaker immediately hitting the choke slam for a two count right after Goldberg, Taker is standing with Goldberg with a little choke on him. And the next thing you know, Goldberg takes Undertaker down and has some type of leg submission on him it kind of almost felt like he was fighting william regal from nitro back in the day it just felt like an audible so now you know the crowd is into it though you know they were happy to see both guys but they were heavily favoring the undertaker uh undertaker then um goes for a spear and uh to the corner undertaker moves out of the way goldberg hits the corner post Bus open hard way. Look pretty deep. Bleeding pretty uh, damn hard. I even joked on Twitter earlier. I said, you know, for all you people out there that said the last two weeks that they're so old that the match should air in black and white, you probably got your wish. Because WWE, when there's too much blood, they air it in black and white. So um, Goldberg's busted open. Now, Goldberg hit the corner. Got busted open. You know, people need to really think about this for a minute. I know this is going to sound dumb, but something to think about. You know, when you bust your head open hard way, it's not like your head is numb. It's not adrenaline. It's not that somebody injected with you with some numbing agent or anesthesia where your head's fucking numb. Oh, did I cut that? Like, the, what is that, fucking Urkel? Did I cut that? No, he fucking hit something. It hurt. It made him woozy. It knocked him out. It was not good. And you could see that they were trying to, like, call an audible. I don't know how much Goldberg and Undertaker worked out with each other for their match before tonight. But it just felt like that they were lost for a little bit. But the next thing you know, Undertaker goes and hits a tombstone. Goldberg kicks out to the surprise of a lot of of us watching but the way the tombstone was uh hit you just felt like something bad was going to happen later in the match it didn't look like 
you know, like it was strong, the move. People were a little concerned. Next thing you know, Goldberg's in the corner taking punches, looks woozy. Goldberg gets thrown into the middle rope, ducks the clothesline, which looked pretty horrendous on Undertaker's part if you go back and watch it. And then uh, Goldberg tries to clothesline Undertaker. Undertaker does clothesline Goldberg. Goldberg clotheslines Undertaker, double clothesline, they're down on the mat. Now, as they're down on the mat, the fans are chanting, this is awesome. They got what they wanted to see. Sadly, though, after this point, it pretty much went downhill. Um, they get back to their feet. They're exchanging punches. They're doing what we always, you know, see in the matches where, you know, one wrestler hits, throws a punch, and the fans go, hey! And the other wrestler throws a punch, and the fans go, oh, hey! Oh, hey! Oh, hey! Am I annoying yet? Oh. So they do that. Then Goldberg attempts a jackhammer. Now, go back and watch it. This is what I was talking about on social media earlier. I tried wrestling school. I actually trained in wrestling school for a couple of months. Didn't do good. Threw up many times. One of the things I was told, told was how, how important the legs are. And when Goldberg went to pull up Undertaker for the jackhammer, there is a certain amount of momentum that needs to lead to bring Undertaker in the air. Undertaker did not push off strong enough. So you're pretty much trying to lift dead weight in the air. And because of that lack of momentum, you know, Undertaker, he go up as quickly as he go up, he go down. And Undertaker almost landed on his neck. And people were like, holy fucking shit did they just escape it, it, it just did not look good at all undertaker kicks out for a two i don't know if undertaker got hurt from the move but it did not look good at all then we get the finish now you could see what was supposed to happen and this is very reminiscent of roman reigns and roman reigns ain't fucking 52 and roman reigns his legs are pretty fucking strong goldberg it looked like was going to try to land the tombstone pile driver. And if you've ever seen old undertaker matches, another wrestler will try to do a tombstone and undertaker will reverse it and then turn it into his own tombstone, land it one, two, three over Goldberg tries to land the tombstone pile driver undertaker is supposed to reverse it. Instead of Undertaker reversing the pile driver, Goldberg falls. Undertaker just looks like, the fuck is going on? Am I in the twilight zone? So instead, they improvise. Undertaker goes for the choke slam. Not even that good either. Gets the one, two, three. Goldberg quickly out of the ring. Everything goes dark. Undertaker's music hits. He's in the ring. Does not look happy at all. And... We go off the air. Look, I'm not going to repeat everything I said at the beginning of the show, but I will leave you all with what I started with. You know, the legs are so important. And Undertaker, when he was battling Elias during that segment, I think it was on Raw, you know, when you're running straight ahead and you drop some weight, you get a little hip surgery, maybe the knees are redone, you know, and you got a little spring in your step going forward. Yeah, you look great. 
But when it's time to go up and down and you don't have that lift anymore, you get what you got tonight. You get what you got with Roman Reigns. You get what you got in other matches. Undertaker is no longer a main eventer. If Saudi Arabia and other areas insist that they want him to close out an event because he is such an attraction and he is still valuable, he's still an attraction, he definitely is still money, especially in areas that never got the opportunity to see The Undertaker up close and personal. WWE has to really start improvising. They really need to start changing things. And yes, I said early on, a lot of you out there said it as well. And I said it early on in his recap as well. When Undertaker, you know, after the Roman Reigns debacle, he said, you know what? Love to see him back as American badass or big evil. More of a ground game. Problem is, maybe Saudi Arabia don't want big evil. Maybe they don't want, you know, uh, American badass. They want dead man. A lot of fans. Come on. You see it on Raw. You see it on Smack. You see it on shows still. His music hits. Everybody goes nuts. I commented it on it Tuesday for DTKC Show Extra. You go back and you watch SmackDown, and the crowd is chanting, holy shit. That's not Saudi Arabia fans. That's regular wrestling fans in the United States chanting, holy shit, watching Goldberg and Undertaker in the same ring together. What happened? I thought they were old farts. What happened? I thought they were going to just... Did, did. You see what I'm saying? Fans still want it. The problem is, you got to put a little reality in this. You know, fans still think of Undertaker 2000 or 95, or maybe if they're really young fans, they never experienced 93, 2006, whatever, whatever year you want to pick. But the fans think they're getting 2000... 9 Undertaker or 99 Undertaker and they're getting 2019 Undertaker. Yes, I agree, Shazzy. Foreign countries don't know much about Big Evil or America Badass. That's my point. They're in a little bit of a dilemma here. You know? Or WWE really has to, you know, convince Saudi Arabia or other outlets say, look, you want Undertaker on the card. If Undertaker's willing to do the show, fine. But we have to figure out a different way to use him. You know, if he's got to just come out and just beat someone up for two or three minutes, fine. You know, but you can't keep doing what you're doing because this, like I said at the beginning, this is a new streak that Undertaker has created. He's on a streak right now. You know, match, main event matches that are just god-awful. He is not a main eventer anymore. And you know what? If WWE committed... That they were gonna that Saudi Arabia or any other place was good to get Undertaker for an extended period of time and see what's going on, then that's fucking Undertaker's fault and that's WWE's fault. I mean, look, if an injury happens and it's a career threatening injury, all right, whether it's Saudi Arabia or another country or another event, you know, nobody's gonna turn around and say, Damn you! You promise Undertaker. No, we're not getting Brian Lee. You promise Undertaker and we demand Undertaker. No, if he's got a career-threatening injury, that's it. He's done. Give it, you know, you can pick. Pick from this list. You can have anybody else from this list. Can't have Yokozuna. Like some people, you know, they know the story about that. You know, somebody has to step up. 
You know, it, it there's no. I just can't refuse to believe that some people in the higher ups in WWE don't have the balls to say, "Look, take her." You know, you just can't do these main events or this. I mean, are they petrified that he's going to leave and go to AEW? Or you know, what I'm saying like somebody's got to step up here. But again, I'll leave everybody with this: if the fans in Saudi Arabia went home happy. If the Saudi Arabia government went home happy, if Undertaker is disappointed as he is, he goes in the back, I felt great. You know, I don't know what happened. I felt great. No, I could still go. This isn't that. Expect this again. Or, or you cross your fingers and you hope the next show that he has a high-profile match on, that he nails it. The problem is, is that more often than not, he, he doesn't nail it. And... Do you really want Undertaker back like this? I think of Ric Flair towards the end of his TNA run. My God, go watch some of that. Go go watch it. I mean, you just see it and you're like, you know, and look, this is not Matt Riddle stuff, all right? I know the controversy that Matt Riddle has apparently said a lot of shit about Goldberg. In fact, Matt Riddle said something tonight, trashing Goldberg again in the main event. You know, look, I'm a fan of Matt Riddle. I am not even going to go there. With what he's saying, I think it's a little bit wrong. But, you know, the only thing I will say is Matt Riddle needs to understand that if he comes out at Super Showdown right now, uh, um, unless he has a high-profile, you know, high-flying, unbelievable match, you you had fucking three Latino high-flyers have a match earlier, and the fucking Saudi fans did not give two flying fucks about it. All right, so until you're on that level where fucking, you know, droves and droves of fans, you know, where you can main event. I think he needs to, you know, take a little step back with his criticism of Goldberg. You know, if you want to criticize Goldberg like that, Matt Riddle, you have to criticize WWE just as much because they're the ones that put the match on. They're the ones that went to Goldberg and say, Saudi Arabia would love to have you on their show. All right. So if you're going to criticize Goldberg, then, you know, put on your, uh, your flip flops, you know, stand on your feet. And criticize WWE for doing that. That's it. So everyone, I hope you enjoyed it. Again, I started this not even 15 minutes after the pay-per-view. I'm sure there's going to be other recaps out there in the upcoming days. They're going to be all polished with little one-liners and little, you know, like beautiful little insults and perfectly written and said and this and that. No, 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 no. I give you my immediate spur of the moment. Let me know what you think. Follow me on Twitter at Don Tony D. The website, DonTony.com. Email me, DonTony, at DonTony.com. Facebook.com slash DTKC Show. Obviously, Discord, as always, and uh, and Patreon.com slash DonTony. Everyone, be well, and uh, I'll be back in about two weeks with your next pay-per-view recap, which is uh, WWE Piss Break or Stomping Grounds, WWE Rematch, WWE God Awful, WWE, fill in the blank. Oh, by the way, I do have to leave everybody with this. Did you happen to catch that fan drawing of Randy Orton? Look, it was a little kid. I fucking, how many of us, how many of us, when we were fucking little kids, mommy, mommy, or Danny, Danny, or if you got to be politically correct, Danny, Daddy, 
or mommy, mommy, or maybe you live in fucking Utah, whatever. Danny, mommy, 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 mommy. Look what I drew. I drew you. And you look at it, and it looks like a fucking piece of cheese. Seriously. It was a piece of cheese. Uh, Shazzy's saying, what about the Bliss Natty stuff? Listen to Breakfast with Blasi. I already talked about it. All right. You know, WWE tried. They wanted to introduce the two women to the Saudi government to show that, you know, they're, they're sweet um, and that, you know, they can do it if they were comfortable. It was, it's, listen, I'll say one thing about Alexa Bliss and Natty in Saudi Arabia today. If there's one thing that you could take from all of this, don't take oh, WWE, uh, Saudi Arabia turned it down. You see, they won't treat women like this. Blah, 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 or, wow, you know, it's really fucked up. They made them go all this way. Leave yourself with this one comment. You want to tell other people the same as well? You want to say, I said it, fine. I don't, I, I'm totally cool with that. Leave yourself with one thing, and this is a positive thing. Natty and Alexa Bliss going to Saudi Arabia, consider that an introduction to Saudi Arabian government to two of the WWE's women, stars. Not only talents in the ring, but very, very um, good people outside the ring. You know, while they were in Saudi Arabia, they visited ill kids. They visited, you know, a lot of places. All right? You know, it's not like women, you know, are only banished to the fucking house or the cave. You know, they, they can go out and about, but, yet, you know, obviously they don't have the same freedoms as men. The point is, take what went down this weekend with Alexa Bliss and Natty as an introduction putting a foot in the door to get the women on that show. Will it happen on the next event? I don't know. Will it happen a year from now? I don't know. None of us know. But it was an introduction. Leave it at that. And, um, oh, let me get back to the sign. All of us, if we had parents back in the day, at one point, we always said, oh, look, I drew you, mommy. I drew you, daddy. And you look at it, and it looks like you fucking drew a hot dog or a stick figure. Or you use fucking 85 crayons. You know, it just, it looked god-awful abysmal. A little kid drew a picture of Randy Orton and almost looked like what would happen if Randy Orton fucked fucking uh, Bobby Roode. It was a funny picture because it got on camera. Well... I don't remember who gave it to me earlier. Thank you if you're listening. But somehow he got his hands on the high, ultra, high-definition version of it. My only guess is that whoever drew that, whoever little kid that drew that, must have a social media account and posted it before he went to the event. Because this is like pristine, beautiful quality. I'm like, there's no way that this was a screenshot from TV. It's too perfect. But it got a really good laugh online because it looked nothing like Randy Orton, other than maybe some tattoos. But uh, again, it, chuckle at it, but it was a little kid. So, you know, don't take it so seriously. But I am using it as a synopsis pick this week. Absolutely. Definitely synopsis pick. No doubt about it. So anyway, let me know what you thought. I'm out of here. Everyone be well. I'll talk to you soon. Ciao.